Hello and welcome to From the Rooker End, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John, with me is Mike. Good day to you, John. And, well, we haven't got Troy Deeney with us, we haven't got Danny Graham, but we do have the Brigadier, Colin Mace. <laughs> Good afternoon, gentlemen. <laughs> it is a Wednesday afternoon, uh, there's still no football season back, but we know it is coming back. The first game, Mike, is that the 17th, midweek, we're going to have a couple of games, but then Watford should be back on the weekend of the 20th. Yeah, it's it's definitely happening, and yeah, attention is starting to turn towards how Watford are going to end this uh, end this incredibly strange and peculiar season. Yeah, all eyes on the all eyes on the Premier League again. Yeah, Colin, are you are you happy that it's coming back? I'm very happy it's coming back. Partly not just because we get a chance to watch a bit of football, and uh, of course, as a Watford fan, I shouldn't really be happy it's coming back because our chances <laughs> of being relegated by playing these games are quite high and if we hadn't played them blah 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 but actually I'm happy it's come back because I think the alternative to not coming back would be so much worse and you can see that if they decided to stop the season and then they have to make a choice between whether they do relegate clubs or whether they don't relegate clubs whether they bring clubs up from the championship whether they play the playoffs and all of that will cause such division and it would last I I believe it would have lasted for years and I think it's very likely there would have been uh, large-scale litigation about money's lost or the Premier League would have to have paid clubs who'd been relegated on 29 games. And th- the truth is, you enter a competition of 38 games and you should see that out. Now, I know, obviously, there's no crowds, but I'm glad they're going to play them at the actual grounds because that seems, again, to be closer and one step closer to normal. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, when you play all 38 games and then you say, right, you three, you're going down. And then in the championship, they have the playoffs, I guess, and the teams come up and you say, right, well, you did it. And they go, well, it wasn't fair because we only had four home games uh, and we had five away games and we didn't have a crowd at home. And blah, blah, blah. there'll still be a bit of arguing. But the reality is you'll have played your 38 games and you didn't get enough yeah. points and you've been relegated and that will be fair. And I think the clubs and the fans of those clubs and the owners of those clubs will just have to accept that. Whereas voiding the season, however you do it, is always going to leave this incredible sense of injustice anger i think i think i'm glad it's back i'm looking forward to it looking forward to to bringing the season to a conclusion i think it is right though to to look back over it's been an incredible unprecedented in our in our lifetime situation and i think it's important to say that while we're happy it's back i think the clubs that did voice concerns were were right to do so because of the of what Collins just described, really. But just because football's coming back, it's, we must remember that it's it's been a, a difficult road. And those things that that Scott Duxbury said about home advantage being so important, and I think we rightly we rightly stuck up for him with that that because you you do have to protect your your club's interests. But I do think that was also protecting the the integrity of the league as well to to do so. So whilst it's been a bit of a circuitous route, it doesn't mean that we're not we're sort of just getting rid of all the arguments that were, were had along the way I think it was important that Watford spoke up for, for what they believed in to get to this get, get to this point because I think playing at home does have an advantage and I think if you're a Watford player if you're a Watford member of staff having those games at Vicarage Road will make a, a big difference but ultimately as a supporter I think it, it's great to have it back and as a supporter everyone wanted the game to be everyone wants the season to be finished everyone wants football to watch uh, everyone wants just to get it done and, and like Colin says to, to have promotion and relegation 
competition based on the number of points you've got after the same number of games, playing the same number of teams, home and away, um, and everyone accepts that it's never going to be perfect. Behind closed doors isn't isn't perfect, and it'll be interesting to see what our experience is like watching it on on TV. I'm sure a few of us have watched Bundesliga and enjoyed seeing football, so it will be a different experience. But we've we've had a long time to get to get used to the fact that it is going to be different and and not what we're used to. So as a football supporter, there's still a lot going on out there in the world. We mustn't lose sight of that. But as uh, a famous quote that's been used a lot recently, of all the non-important things, football is is one of the most important. And and with that in mind, I think there's a lot of people who would be glad to have it have it back as a as a welcome distraction. Watching it on television with the empty stadiums is going to be a little bit weird. However, I've got an idea. For our live commentaries that Colin did, I created a crowd noise with what the chants <laughs> in the background. So I'm going to put that up as a podcast <laughs> so you can play that off a speaker or somewhere or another when you're watching Watford on the television That's so really it will be idea. a little podcast literally crowd noise all the rest of it and in fact I'm really going to try and figure out where I've got some other noises I've recorded over the years and make like a, a land a soundscape let's call it <laughs> Uh, for what you need to play when you're watching Watford on the telly. Uh, but that is going to be part of it, and it is going to be weird. I will try and figure out how much money each fan has to spend to make sure they watch all the games. Um, and it's not as much as I thought it was going to be, um, if you only just do it for a month or um, six weeks or whatever it is. Uh, but, Colin, we know the results, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do according to yours. Uh, we're, we're looking at, at three wins, uh, mm. three losses... Uh, and three draws, according to mm. the live, but not really, commentaries that you did at the end of, of the season. Which got us to 39 points, which yeah. um, I think might do it, but uh, I wouldn't... I've been thinking about this, John. The season before this one, we opened the season with four wins on a row, in a row, if everyone remembers. I can't exactly show. We beat Burnley and Bournemouth and Brighton. I think we... Anyway, mm. we won our first four games under Javi Grazia and... Um, and in a way, I think the approach to this reopening is to not treat it as the end of a season that hasn't really been that great. Although it's not been that bad since Christmas. But the way to treat it is the beginning of a new season with nine games. Not think about the nine games, but just think this is the beginning of a new season. We've had our pre-season and here we go. We've got our squad, almost our entire squad, uh, minus Delafeo, and we should approach it as the as the opening of a new season. Now, if we can go and get close to repeating what they did under Javi Grazia in those first four games, then we've got a really good chance. And I think amongst those six teams in the relegation battle, it's the one that starts well, the the ones that start well that will will, will stay out of trouble. So if we could beat Leicester and get something at Burnley away and then come home, I think we played Southampton after that and then Chelsea, if we could get, you know, eight points from those four games we would really get a head start on some of the other teams who won't get those kind of uh, points in those first four games. But I think the key to it, uh, and I'm sure the club are talking like this, and I'm sure Nigel Pearson is talking like this, you forget about everything else. This is a new season. This is one game. You go out and you play at your absolute uh, highest intensity that you can manage, obviously taking into account fitness and so on, having had long breaks and layoffs. But they have had a three-week pre-season, so it'll be four weeks or so by the time they come back. So I think if they approach it like that, we've got a really, really good chance of getting a good start. If we lose our first two games, then I think, you know, it could get very tricky. You mentioned Nigel Pearson there, Colin, and I think how this plays out for, for Watford and the other teams in a, in a similar situation is basically going to be how 
well you react because if you look at i don't know let's take crystal palace or or everton as a as an example mid table their supporters will be tuning in um to watch the games tin of beer nothing to worry about europe very unlikely relegation unlikely and it'll be difficult for the players if to not 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 go with that as well i mean obviously they they might be playing for a move they might be playing for a new contract and they're professional but I think for the so they they will have it relatively easy, and it'd be interesting to see how how those sort of middle of the table teams react. But the, with the guys with like us who have got something to play for, how they've been preparing is going to be absolutely vital. And I think the reason I mentioned you mentioning Nigel Pearson is because I think he could be a real ace in the hole um, for us as we as we build up to this little nine match mini league. I suspect he will have been in close contact with with the players throughout this situation. That. This is just my take. I've got no uh, no evidence of it, but I suspect he will have been in talking to them, you know, giving them that sort of virtual arm round the shoulder. He strikes me as very much a, a father figure type type guy, someone who likes to be involved with his players, and I think he will have been gently reminding them, keep your eyes on the prize. If we can hit the ground running, like you say, Cole, this we could get this we could get this sorted. I'm sure other clubs will be thinking the same, but you think perhaps whether whether the others have got the same sort of setup as Watford have that sort of that unique that, not unique bond, but that bond that Nigel Pearson and Craig Shakespeare seem to have managed to um, introduce to the squad since coming in in Christmas because it has been a, a pretty good run of form, hasn't it? Since uh, since Nigel Pearson came in, there's been some really impressive performances, um, and I just think he he could be the the difference in in keeping up. And I, I just hope he's kept them all focused um, and got them focused and looking on it just forget everything that's gone before this is a real chance for you to secure your place in the Premier League impress the watching millions because there'll be lots more people watching than perhaps might ordinarily be watching the appetite for football is going to be huge the games are going to be available so it's it's a chance for, for Watford to do, do really well in front of a lot of people and I just think I hope and pray that that, that Nigel Pearson could be the could be the difference here because yeah like you say Colin how we hit the ground how we adapt to what is going to be very very peculiar circumstances yes the surroundings will be the same yes the faces will be the same they'll know their opposition they'll know the refs they'll know the the people that are in and around the ground but it's going to be very different and just how they react is uh is going to be is ultimately going to decide the season it's going to be fascinating to watch it's as the days roll past as 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 that date in june gets ever closer of course we start biting our fingernails as as watford supporters we haven't had to think about it uh but you know we are in a very very real and uh difficult relegation battle and in a few uh sort of a uh, few short weeks we'll find out the the result of that but i do think how they react is going to be going to be absolutely key and i, I just wonder if nigel pearson could could be the difference there for us. Mike, I want to pick up on one thing. Audience-wise, we ain't going to get an audience for Watford against Burnley. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> millions and millions for Watford against sure Burnley. Sure, Derby. Well, maybe, yeah, very true. Um, but, Colin, you know, Mike there has said the ace in the pack is the fact that we've got Nigel Pearson, him and Craig Shakespeare. Your answer is not allowed to be Troy Deeney. But what is the other ace in the pack? We've got four ace in the pack. One of them is Nigel Pearson, mm-hmm. and and one of them is Troy Deeney. What are the, what are the other two aces that we've got? Because one's not going to be Delafaye. No, if you want players, I, I, I hesitate to to pick out individual players. I think the really key thing that gives us a chance, which not all the other six clubs have, um, so and I would split that into two. One is a real sense of unity. You don't turn up at Vicarage Road to play a team that's gone unbeaten all season and put on a performance like we did against them. 
uh, to win 3-0 against Liverpool at home. Sadly, not able to follow it up away at Palace and lose 1-0. And even though we still performed pretty well in that game, we're a bit unlucky. But away from home against Palace is, is tough, obviously, because of uh, all sorts of extra reasons rather than just the football. But we, had, we have a squad and a club coaches, managers that are able to put a performance like the one we put up against Liverpool. And don't let's not forget, when we beat Liverpool, we really needed to win that game. And had we lost that game or been thumped in that game, we would have been even more in trouble. We're just currently above the relegation zone on goal difference ahead of Bournemouth. So had we not beaten Liverpool, we would have dropped. We might have got a reaction and beaten Palace, of course. But at the time, we needed to win that game. And we've shown this uh, again and again. Uh, in, in we beat, um, when, we, when we really need to get a win, we can come together and get that win. So that kind of unity, I think, which you haven't got, say, at a club like West Ham at the moment, where they have all their problems, you know, that, that is one ace in the hole. The other ace in the hole, I would say, is that we can score goals. I know that sounds obvious. If you want to be good and you want to do well as a football team, you've got to score goals. Yes, we concede quite a lot of goals on our day. We can really be quite leaky at the back. But everyone says, and you listen to all the pundits, the ex-players, players who've been in this situation in relegation fights, they say it's the team that can score goals that has the best chance of staying up. And when you look at someone like Brighton, for instance, they have really struggled all season to get more than one goal in a game and very often not scoring at all in a game. Now, yes, we've been thumped a couple of times. I uh, don't want to go into that. But, you know, we scored three against Liverpool. We didn't just get one and hang on for grim death. We went on and were able to score goals because we've got players in that squad that can score goals. Dini, yes. Saar, yes. Decore. There's lots of players there that can really uh, do damage, including, you know, well, pretty much every player. Um, so I think those things, the fact that we can score goals and the fact that we have a real sense of unity at our club at the moment, along with Troy Deeney and Nigel Pearson, I would say those are our four aces. I thought, Colin, you know, listen to all your commentaries. You gave a debut to Pedro in your live commentary. That wasn't really live. Um, you also <laughs> played Tom Deli Bashiru quite a lot. Oh, he was marvellous. He was marvellous. And, you know, <laughs> and I thought, Mike, maybe you can, uh, you know, the, the fact that we have all these young players who, you know, there's a possibility of, of five, you know, more substitutes coming on. This could be just the perfect moment for, for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's, the, the squad is deep and it is full of, of exciting players. How Pedro is, is absolutely one of them. And perhaps whether you might have thought twice about, about throwing him in, into the, the blood and guts of a relegation battle. Perhaps without the crowd there, it might be less, less daunting for, for a youngster like him or perhaps even someone like Penuranda, who has really been a peripheral figure, really struggled to, to, to make an impact on the squad. We know he's got talent. We, he, we know he can, we can score goals. Perhaps Perhaps with, with the with the less rarefied atmosphere, if you like, of a of a, the febrile atmosphere of a of a relegation six pointer, perhaps they could they could come in and 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 make an impact. And certainly, if this is yet to be ratified, yet to be agreed by the Premier League, but if they follow suit with the Bundesliga and you're allowed to make five subs, it gives you that opportunity to throw someone like that on who can change a game. Penaranda and Pedro, skillful players, perhaps haven't got ninety minutes um, uh, in the tank or wouldn't be able to to commit to, to playing it for ninety minutes. 
you could throw them on for five, ten, six minutes. Um, five, ten, six. What's that? That's a strange formation. But, you know, That's twenty-one. A couple of Bingo. a couple of minutes. Yeah, a couple of minutes towards the end of the game, where you wouldn't, you know, slightly less tactical, if you like, more of a, a perhaps a kitchen sink approach when you you might need a bit of a, a bit of brilliance. So it'd be fascinating to see how that five sub rule, if it bring if it is brought in, how how it benefits different clubs. But I do wonder whether it gives gives Watford an opportunity to, to blood a couple of those youngsters, particularly the playmakers, um, later on in the game to, to give them a chance to change or even perhaps to switch it on its head, start them, um, give them an opportunity. And if they are floundering a little bit, it gives you a chance to, to revert to a more tried and tested um, with that with that opportunity for, for making five subs. So we'll have to, first and foremost, have to wait and see whether that, that new rule is brought in for the Premier League but, and then see how Nigel Pearson wants to play it. But it is another dimension and you know you have seen a little few little clips uh, of uh, of Penyaranda uh, on the on the on the socials. So just whether they'd like to, they're going to use this opportunity, this odd situation, to bring players in. I've got a question actually. It's interesting. This week uh, I was listening to the radio, and in La Liga, the smaller clubs in La Liga have really complained bitterly about the five sub rule because it says it gives a massive advantage to the bigger clubs. I'm not actually sure that I 100% agree with that. But um, I'm interested to know what you both think about whether or not it will be a benefit to have more subs or whether it will benefit the bigger club. You look at Man City, for instance, they can bring on five subs who are better than the five players they've got playing. So we're obviously not in that position. But as you say, Mike, quite correctly, we do go quite deep. We've got people like Spencer Adams, if we get injuries to centre-backs, who has shown a little bit and would I suspect Pearson would trust him. As John, as John mentioned, Tom Deli, Bashiro, even Queener, you know, can come on and be an exciting kind of catalyst in the last 20 minutes. So I wonder if it is such, whether it's the same in the Premier League, because in, in La Liga you've got massive, massive clubs and then you've got some really tiny, weeny clubs like Granada and Osasuna and places like that, whereas we don't have that range. But nevertheless, you know, we're a much smaller club than Liverpool. Look at the teams we've got to play. The teams that are going to have a much, much, let's say much deeper squad than us. Chelsea... Man yep. City and mm. Arsenal, but the only one that has Arsenal? got a, uh, maybe. But I don't think Arsenal necessarily do have that massive. You know, they haven't got a, like you say. Man City do have a roster of superstars, but the chances of winning that game, as we know, uh, is slim to none. Um, but the, <laughs> but the other ones, you, you know, I don't think we we're lucky. I suppose we have we haven't got to play a lot of massive massive clubs we haven't, got, we haven't got to play Liverpool Man City and I don't know Tottenham maybe who have got a bit more depth to yeah. them um, so I don't think that's going to be a massive problem for us other clubs bigger clubs have better subs whether it's three or five so I, I think it's a moot point really I think I'm going to stick to my I hope that it gives people like clubs like Watford a chance to be more a bit more creative uh, yeah. And obviously Manchester City's bench is going to be better than, than Watford's bench. And that applies whether you're allowed one sub, three sub, five subs or ten. That will always be be the case. So yeah. they will just have better players, access to better players all the time. So I, I think it's, I think Watford will definitely be looking at it. Certainly Nigel Pearson, Craig Shakespeare, you know, thinkers, people who are, uh, they, you know, they look at their ways they can impact on the game. I think they'll be looking at it as an opportunity to be more creative, uh, and to manage games and to have an impact on games where previously they might not have been able to. So for me, 
I don't see it as a, I kind of get the point, but I think, you know, Manchester City are always going to, whoever the sub is, there's always going to be technically better than, than the Watford sub. So the fact that we've got more choice, it means we can name more players in more positions. So if there's an injury, we can respond to that. If there's a tactical requirement, we respond to that. And if it's a game situation, we, we can respond to that as well. So I think potentially it might make for more, for more exciting games as well. John, you mentioned Watford Burnley might not be a thriller, um, that, that might uh, um, attract loads of, uh, of eyes on it from a from a TV point of view and that might be right but other clubs with less to play for might also experiment as well with that with that five sub rule and and, and blood some of their players who haven't had a had, had such a run out this season so it just it will all add to what is going to be a fascinating nail biting but really interesting final final uh, nine games everywhere you look there's lots of questions and uh, we're getting close to some of them being answered aren't we a podcast made by Watford fans and for Watford fans from the Thank you so much everyone who listened to all five of the podcasts we put out last week for our testimonial week, a uh, special week where we're going to celebrate the end of our 10th season of doing From the Rookery End. It hasn't quite finished yet, so this is weird that we're now continuing uh, already our 11th year, but still our 10th season. Oh, that's just confusing. Colin, how did you, you, you weren't really part of the recording of them, you were m- one part of one episode in particular, the, the best of bit several times in there. Uh, how do you feel about the Danny Graham interview and the Troy Dean interview? I really like the the best of it was quite nostalgic listening back to the um to the game at Arsenal after that disappointing well more catastrophic dis- defeat at Millwall in the cup about 3 days earlier and it was great listening to you walking to the ground and then at half time the kind of bubbling optimism and the, <laughs> and the belief that you know this was the gone from the worst performance in the club's history to almost the best over 3 days so um and then, and, I, and I relate that to um what I thought was a really good interview with with Troy Deeney interesting that he was one, able to do such a good interview while also being in the middle of a barbecue. So I thought that was quite <laughs> good. But I it also, made me starving. Yeah, but I also thought he spoke really, in so many ways, and so interesting about different coaches. So everyone knows he didn't really get on very much, uh, very well with Walter Mazzari. Uh, they sort of butted heads, or he didn't feel like, he thought he was in some sort of power struggle because Dini was the captain of the club, Mazzari was the fourth coach in whatever it was, and come in and try to take control, which is, from what everyone says, how Mazzari does it, he has to be the number one, the boss, and then he can do his work. And obviously that wasn't quite the case at Watford because it's not the way we're set up. But I did think what was really fascinating about that Arsenal win, which you so brilliantly podcasted about, was when he said he was tactically, that Mazzari was tactically spot on that night. And he said, do this and do that and don't do that and do this and you'll get a win. And they were all a bit like, mm, I don't know. And then they went out and started doing it and they were going, you know what, this is working. So Mazzari obviously had, you know, he had something. He kept us up. We were, even though we only end up with 40 points, we were never in trouble. We got that fantastic win at home against Man United. We got that win against Arsenal away. So it was interesting that he didn't get on with him very well and then they butted heads and he put him on the bench and he put him on the bench on the last day of the season, which I'd forgotten. But there was still this element of, you know, I still respect him though because he did a few things and I thought, oh yeah, chap does know what he's talking about. So I found that really interesting. And I just thought he sounded very upbeat. I know that he has had this delay in coming back to training for very, very good reasons to do with his son and so on. And uh, he's taken a bit of flack, but mostly I think the response has been one of kind of nodded, yeah, I get that, that's common sense. But as we know, he's back in training now. But what I really took away from that Deeney interview was just how happy he sounded and how upbeat he sounded and uh, just how sort of in control of his life. Now, we all know we're 
we've all got very complicated and uh, sort of we've all got children and you know work and so on and we know how hard it is to juggle all that and uh, look after your mental health at the same time and uh, he's obviously been on a very long journey from the days of you know being in trouble and you know it's all very well documented but now at the age of 31 is he or how old 32 this month yeah 32 he just seems to have really found himself and like no he knows who he is. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody anymore. He doesn't have to say controversial things just to get noticed. He can just be himself. And he said that a lot. I'm just being myself. I'm down here in Surrey. I go for walks. I don't like being in London. There's too much temptation around me. It's like there's a real self-knowledge there. And I think if he's bringing that into the... To bring it back to football, to, if he's bringing that into the dressing room, if he's bringing that kind of leadership into amongst the young players, I think, you know, we've got such a massive asset on our hands. And I, it was just really lovely to hear from him. And he was... I thought he spoke well about everything. He was very open. He answered all your questions. He wasn't guarded at any point. And I, I thought it was a fantastic, fantastic piece of uh, podcasting. That happiness you talk about, Colin, I think it, that did really come through. Very, very content. And I think if, if you do extrapolate that out to football and the training ground and then you think back to some of the stuff we've seen coming out of the club over over the summer, and I'm thinking about Ben Foster leading those those cycling um, cycling uh, workouts that, that, were, that were videoed and published. And you think about Troy, if he's happy in his work and, and content and, and confident, Ben Foster, similarly so. Adrian Mariapa, very, uh, very excited experience he always looks happy and he was joining in with those those cycling craig cathcart people like that who have been around the block a little bit still considerably younger than all of us but but have that <laughs> life experience that 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 troy sort of uh, articulated so well and that, that you know they've all achieved a lot in their careers and are starting to look at different avenues potentially for for how they're going to spend the rest of their their careers i think that's that having that sort of core led by troy it, it stands us in in good stead and just hearing him it was quite it was quite calming just to think about how if he's happy then I think that means that that he's confident in Watford, if that makes sense. That just made me feel a sort of at ease about the the, the way things are going there. It feels like a, a fairly steady ship. It didn't feel like he was itching to sort of say there's issues here, there's issues there, there's people calling trouble there. Because I think he probably would have alluded to it if, if that was the case. And it just felt like a very steady, serene ship. Obviously, there's lots of hard work to do and we're in a precarious situation. But yeah, that happiness was, was, was a real joy to sort of, it almost sort of seep through the the microphone just being content and I think if a footballer is like that that's that's a very very uh, very good sign and it was um, it was lovely to talk to him because you know he just felt like a a bloke talking about his his job uh, and someone who was very happy with his job and his life so <clears throat> yeah a privilege as always to talk to Troy fascinating and, uh, and entertaining but a great week all round of, of podcasts as well I mean this first time we've had Colin on since that incredible last day scenario um uh, a couple of weeks ago where Watford stayed up and Colin did a great job you're invited on to talk sport to talk all about that so yeah it's um, a, a real those two things the, the juxtaposition of those two the interview with, with Troy Deeney who's very much of the now and then the creative nows of you Colin to, to go and do that um, that incredible work on all those those commentaries it does really sum up what I think and what I hope from the rookery end has, has proved to be over the last 10 years and uh, that it, we managed to roll it all up quite nicely in the last, last week and, uh, and with your episodes before that Colin so yeah it's uh it, it feels to have happened at a really nice time because there's been this pause in football and now we can gear ourselves up to uh to get on with the football but uh yeah a great week of podcasts and uh and, and brilliant stuff before that as well with uh with Troy a lovely cherry on the cake 
Absolutely, and uh, this is actually this this podcast we're doing now will be our twenty third podcast that we've done since lockdown started. Uh, so there's plenty of things out there, including all of Co- uh, Colin's full ninety minute commentaries uh, on the what were the lost games, um, but hopefully they will be and they should be coming back for the end of this season. Um, if you haven't caught those, they are a work of uh, absolute talent uh, for Colin to <laughs> commentate on his own on his own. Every voice you hear in most of is just Colin. Um, Not at the uh, end, though. That was great that we had um, that yeah. you set it up, John, because you did so brilliantly to understand what it was and how you could develop it. And so to have Kelly and Matt in that on that last day and to kind of record it, I felt like a proper commentator because I had John. It was brilliant. If you don't know, listeners, I had John in my ear going, "You need to go to Goodison <laughs> Park now." And then I had to go up to Goodison <laughs> Park, and then he'd play me Kelly's bit which had had been pre-recorded. She wasn't sitting in a room somewhere. Though. She'd have to sat somewhere for two hours, which would have been insane. But um, it was great watching it on YouTube and having people comment on it. Jason did all these graphics. So at a certain point, a goal will be scored at Goodison, and then a goal alert would come up. And um, I was just watching all these comments flying up on YouTube. It was just a, a brilliant uh, It was a brilliant thing, John, and fantastically well produced. And, uh, yeah. And thanks from Kenny and obviously David as well. <laughs> well David, David uh, the ex-Arsenal French player, uh, has got over it. He wasn't happy at all with Arsenal no, that last wasn't. day of the season. <laughs> Um, thank you very much for listening to From the Recur End. Uh, we'll be back again next week with some podcasts. We're going to have a chat to uh, Adam on, Adam Levertal on next week. Her uh, article went up today on The Athletic with him chatting to Marlon King, uh, another Watford striker who uh, got in trouble with the law uh, and didn't necessarily get out the other side of it as quickly and as, uh, as well uh, as Troy did. But it's fascinating. He's living in Zambia now is uh, Marlon King. Uh, but we'll talk to Adam that next week. But, of course, you can get a free 30-day trial of The Athletic by going to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end. Theathletic.com forward slash rookery end. Uh, and you can get all the stuff that they're doing and they're talking about in the run-up to the return of the Premier League uh, in a few weeks' time. We'll be doing a podcast, of course, after every game uh, and uh, also looking at, and of course, preview each of the teams that we're going to play against uh, with the athletics correspondent for that team. I don't know, Mike, do we have to re-record the one with Leicester? Because we've already done it. Because we did it. Is he going to have to say anything new? I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to listen back, isn't it, and just see what the very what the, our tone of voice was like compared to our Leicester counterpart ahead of uh, that game. It, uh, I think there's more unknowns now, isn't it? So it'll be fascinating to touch base with those with t- with those uh, the, those clubs with slightly less more uh, jeopardy involved in their game. Interesting to see how they're approaching it. Whether they'll be seeing it as like a little mini end of season tournament that's for for entertainment only. It's going to be fascinating. We'll see. But yes, I think we get him on again, John. Let's see if he'll do it. Of course they will. The Athletic boys are always quite good. Rob Tanner. Yeah. Yeah, we get we get Rob Tanner on again. Uh, see how uh, how they're doing at Leicester ahead of the game. But that's a couple of weeks away yet. And if you do need another podcast to listen to between now and our next podcast, do go and check out the latest editions of Hornet Heaven, uh, a new little series which Colin has uh, has voiced, uh, and they are out now via your normal podcast app or from HornetHeaven.com. First episode is called That's Entertainment. Thank you very much, Mike. No problem. Do check out The Athletic, by the way. Great stuff about the uh, Wembley 99, uh, 21 years ago, and a lovely little Al, Al Bangura story. So, uh, well, yes, yeah, that's great. Yeah. On there at the moment. We'll get more um, depth. So do take advantage of that, uh, that trial. But yes, no problem. Football is on its way back. Exciting times. Thank you, Colin. My daughter said, I said, oh, look, football's coming back. And she said, yes, but is it coming home? I think she meant, I want football to stay up. And the answer to that question has got to be a resounding yes. <laughs>